Hey, I'm Roberta Blevins, and this is Life After MLM, a podcast where we worked and the stigma of failure in an industry systemically designed for you to fail. Join us as we dive into the real life stories of survivors, experts, and advocates to debunk the common myths and fallacies of cults, scams, and multi-level marketing. Hey, Hunbots and Hunbros. We have kind of an interesting episode today. We have a former guest returning, Russ Nielsen, who was the one that was like kidnapped and went to go see Donald Trump at that ACN conference. You guys remember. Anyway, so this story is really interesting. He reached out to me a few months before we recorded this and said, hey, look, I have these tickets. I think I might go to this thing. Would you be interested in doing a podcast episode if I do decide to go and take notes? I said, oh my gosh, yeah, of course. That would be really interesting to get an inside look at some of these coaching seminars, right? Because we only usually talk to people who have already done it and are trying to recall what it was like. So Russ was like, yep, I'm going. He came on the show to tell us everything, his experience, the expectation, the reality, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. It's just a funny episode and a good time. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to talk about, which is sort of what's going on on social media, and maybe you've noticed it if you're on social media, and if you're not, lucky, um, <laughs> there is a new trend going around, mostly on TikTok, where people are going live and they are pretending to be in PCs. I have a couple videos that I have made on both TikTok, and I believe I put them all on Instagram as well if you are interested uh, it's very interesting. Uh, it's a very interesting trend where people uh, are sort of like robotically acting like NPCs when people tip them on TikTok. Uh, and so if you've come across something like this and you're like, what is happening? No fear, no fret. I figured it out <laughs> and I made some, uh, TikTok content. So you can find that on my account if you are pulling your hair out, wondering what is going on. Because I was. <laughs> I was like, I need to get to the bottom of this. This has been happening too many times. This keeps coming across my feed. It's like the bomb parties or the pearl parties or you know what I mean? And it seemed scammy. It gave me the ick and I saw a couple red flags and I just wanted to create some awareness around this new trend. Hopefully it uh, is not going to be a trend for very long. TikTok is pretty persnickety when it comes to what's popular, because sometimes by the time I decide I even want to do one of the trends, people are like, nobody's doing that anymore, Roberta. So hopefully this is over soon. I know we've been talking a lot about colds and frauds and scams lately, and not so much MLM, but we have a lot of MLM content coming up. It is great, and I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. And I'm really excited for the second half of the year and what we're going to have on this show I also want to let you know that I found my live podcast guest for Obsessed Fest. I am so excited. I hope to see at least a couple of you there. And um, I'm creating content. I'm getting things ready. I'm feeling so fancy. The other thing is, um, I'm going to tell you guys first, I haven't even told social media yet. I have been working with a couple different graphic designers to create merch. So we're going to have some life after MLM merch soon, sticker packs, mugs. I don't know. You guys said you wanted a couple different things. And I thought, you know what? Why not? Why not give the people what they're begging for? And that's obviously anti MLM life after MLM podcast merch. <laughs> obviously. So be on the lookout for that. 
And uh, if you're a graphic designer and you're like, oh, my God, I have a really good idea for some Life After MLM merch. I mean, I am super down with adding limited edition merch once we get this up and running. Hit me up. Let me know. I would love to just have a really good variety of different kinds of merch and designs just for all the different styles that we have. So yeah, this is new for me. I don't know what I'm doing. So if you do know what you're doing, help me out and let's make some merch together. Other than that, enjoy this episode and I will see you next week. Welcome back to another episode of Life After MLM. We have a returning guest today with another story that's just as like mlm and culty and coachy, but something completely new. And I think it's just going to be a fun chat. And we'll talk about how this this whole conversation even came to be in the first place. But I'd like to welcome back to the show, Russ Nielsen. How are you? I got to tell you, I'm feeling fantastic today. So you're on the show today because you're going to be telling us about a story that just recently happened. You actually reached out to me, I don't know, about a month ago or so. And you said you had sort of Mm -hmm. like an ethical and moral conundrum. And um, I told you to go for it because it really kind of felt like it was coming from a place of goodness. So will you explain to us what happened? Yeah. So uh, I got a friend um, that's an upcoming film producer. And for the sake of his career, I'm going to call his name Josh. So Josh has a tendency to meet with some people. He he wrote this beautiful indie film that's like well-written, perfect character development and all. You would want to make this film. And so he collaborated with people that were uh, high up in the industry and was and wanted to uh, make the film. Well, it seems like every time he collaborated with these people, what ended up happening was either they'd try to steal his work and claim it as theirs, or what they'd also try to do is they'd try to hijack the entire script, make a bunch of changes that weren't necessary, and turn it into a story that just was not meant to be. And so it's like, it would be the shell of what it was written. And every time he had a falling out with these people, he would post on his Facebook page how he was feeling betrayed and how it's a new day, I'm going to rise again, that kind of thing. And I just got sick and tired of reading these posts because he's too good of a guy to be hanging out with people that are there to take advantage of him. About a a month ago or so, what happened was that on our Facebook page, there was this event called Aspire, which is a business type seminar that's created by Andrew Cordell and Eddie Wilson. And they created this event supposedly to help budding entrepreneurs grow their businesses and network more and all of that. So it's, it's more of a seminar environment designed to get people together and network. And I saw on this particular post that my buddy Josh was going to it. And I said, you're going to this thing? He says, yeah, I want to help get some investors to, to sign up for this film to kind of, you know, invest so we can actually get this thing going. And right away, I'm hearing alarm bells go off in my head thinking, oh, no, this isn't good. This isn't good at all. And rather than talk to him and say, this isn't a good idea, I figure, you know what? I should probably go with this guy and be his wingman, knowing full well I'm stepping back into the cult to go through all of this stuff that I went through before as a naive guy, only this time around, I know exactly what's going on. And my BS detector can just raise alarm bells and kind of help give him some hints. (laughs) I think it's really funny. And that's 
that's yeah. sort of like where you came in and you sent me a message and you said, I don't know what I should do. I bought these tickets to go with my friend to help sort of navigate him through this potentially scammy business seminar. But now I'm kind of feeling like I'm feeding the machine. What do I do? And I told you to go. If you feel like this is, yeah. you know, the best thing to do, then go. There's a lot of times people ask me, you know, how do you get your friend out of a bad situation? And there isn't really anything you can do. I think if you tell your friend that they're on the wrong path or they're doing something wrong, especially if their mind is set and they've already been sort of indoctrinated into these dopamine fueled events that you're just really risking pushing them farther in, risking losing them. And mm -hmm. so being there sort of as a neutral space to just navigate is smart. I mean, it's super extra, but it's smart. You didn't need to spend $500, you know, on these tickets to do that. But I think yeah. it was great. And you were like, let's go. And I said, it's also a really great opportunity for you to keep your green glasses on or your glasses to look for all of the oh, red yeah. flags and mm -hmm. sort of report back. <laughs> you sent me this mm -hmm. big, long email. And I said, hey, let's just, just come on the show and talk about the experience. So you went to... Oh, yeah kind of like a coaching coaches to coach seminar <laughs> <laughs> and you bought the VIP package and now you're right. going to tell us all about it. All the good and the bad, oh, yeah. the expectations versus the reality. The expectations versus reality. Okay. So on this particular advertisement, we got the highest VIP package available, which was diamond and it cost us $499. And in this particular package, we got to have photo shoots with the celebrity speakers. We got to have a Q&A lunch at Marcus Limonis, who was seen on CNBC's The Profit. Marcus is the type of guy that would go into failing businesses, help turn them around and make some money off of it. Okay, so if any of you have seen that show, you'll see him going into different types of businesses around the country, and he'll, he'll ask him what's wrong, and then they'll pretty much be resistant to what he offers, and then they'll finally make a deal if they go through a complete renovation, and then he makes a big profit and then goes on to the next business. So he was one of the people that were selected to speak, and he had a Q&A luncheon there, and so that's also part of the ticket. And of course, we all we all get our swag bags. We get to be sitting right up front where the stage is. So that's kind of what the VIP ticket entailed. And in addition, the event took place over at the Gaylord Hotel in Colorado. It's kind of like between Aurora and Denver. It's way out there. The hotel is huge. You park into this event parking lot and... You walk into the hotel, and right away, the corridors are long, they're wide, and there's multiple escalators. And you're thinking, okay, where is this place? Where is this event taking place? Because I'm already lost. So they had signs around to kind of tell people where to go. And then they had event staff guiding event attendees to uh, where the conference was. How yes. many people would you estimate were there? I'd say probably between two and 3,000. Wow. And what mm -hmm. is like the basic ticket cost? The basic ticket cost $49. Okay. So for $450 more, you get a meet and greet with photo ops. You get a luncheon. Uh, you get front row seating. Mm -hmm. You get a swag bag. You get a swag bag. What was in that swag bag? 
So the swag bag, there is a book by this speaker named uh, Nick Santanasasso, who is this 26-year-old guy, one arm, no legs, and supposed bodybuilder turned motivational speaker. So there's that, plus uh, a little notebook that you use to write down. And then there's this CBD-infused drink that was created by former Denver Broncos running back Terrell Davis. Okay. And... Just to throw in a little kicker, they gave us a $10 gift card from Amazon. All right. Well, I mean, do you feel at this point getting there, do you feel <laughs> hindsight's 2020 <laughs> spoilers, <laughs> but at this point, do you feel that the ticket price is worth it at this point? At this point, I'm still feeling uh, a little unsure because I have absolutely no idea what I'm walking into, but I'm on high alert. And when I'm kind of on high alert status like this, I kind of have a bit of a chip on my shoulder because I know I'm going to be preached a bunch of bullshit. Oh my gosh. This is going to be a fun adventure. Okay. Oh yeah. So tell us what happens. You're at this place, this huge mm -hmm. hotel, which they're doing like a big podcasting convention there, I think this summer. So I know exactly what you're talking about and I've seen it and I've looked at it and it's massive. Really, really mm -hmm. swanky, nice place. And there's maybe 3,000 people filing into this staged area. What's it look like? What's going on? How, how's the excitement in the air? What's it feel like? Well, the the people, they're, they're dressed very well. Like the men are dressed in suits, you know, because they're, they're very business. Like they're all wearing suits and ties. I'm not wearing a suit. I'm wearing what I got on now. Okay. My, my buddy, Josh, he's wearing like a... Uh, uh, a hoodie and some jeans. <laughs> okay. But it's like you got women wearing pantsuits and dresses, the men wearing suits. And so we're we're kind of a little underdressed. That's kind of by design. <laughs> okay. So you file in, you sit down, take us on this journey. Okay. As we're filing in, because we're the VIPs, we had to walk on this purple carpet and we're entering the ballroom and they had like these purple and white balloons kind of overshadowing the door saying, this is a spire. And so we get to be treated like a bunch of celebrities. Okay. There's a bunch of techno music playing similar to MLM conventions. There's like a bunch of flashing lights on the, on the screens. Uh, it just seems everybody's excited. And, you know, as we're filing, you know, we're getting ready to sit down. There's still about half an hour to go. So people kind of get up, get some coffee, get something to eat, that kind of thing. And then the convention starts. Do you ever wonder how much of your personal data is out there on the internet just for anyone to find? I promise it's more than you think. Your name, contact info, social security number, home address, even information about your family members. It's all being compiled by data brokers and openly sold online. This can lead to a lot of problems, including identity theft, phishing attempts, harassment, and unwanted spam calls. But now you can protect your privacy with Delete Me. Signing up for the service is super easy. Just provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. They send you regular, personalized privacy reports showing what info they found, where they found it, and what they removed. 
I got my report and I was floored with the results. Of the 105 data brokers they checked, 83 of them had my data. Delete Me then removed 173 listings of my personal data off the internet. And they make sure that it stays off too. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me at a special discount just for our listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash MLM and use promo code MLM at checkout. The only way to get the 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash MLM and enter code MLM at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash MLM code MLM. Head over to quince.com and grab yourself a little something something and support the show by supporting our sponsors. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and say hello to lightweight fabrics and classic styles. I have been taking advantage of the beautiful weather and getting outside for daily walks, and I cannot say enough good things about the flow knit high rise boyfriend jogger from Quince. Seriously, running errands, doing school pickups, swinging by the farmer's market, or taking Jaja for a stroll around the lake, these bad boys are versatile. I love the deep pockets, the high waistband, and the internal hidden drawstring. They're quick drying, moisture wicking, antimicrobial, and the four-way stretch makes them so comfortable. They're made with 88% recycled polyester and the Global Style Standard Certified Yarn dramatically lowers environmental impact by diverting landfill and ocean-bound plastic. Not to mention using recycled claims standard approved dyeing, washing, and manufacturing processes with low water and eco-friendly dyes. They have become an absolute favorite, and you can save up to 59% off the high-end counterpart by shopping with Quince. Throw on a cotton Madal scoop neck tee and some sneakers, and you've got a perfect effortless outfit. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash MLM for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash MLM to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash MLM. You have this MC go up on the stage. He tells his sob story. He talks about how he was massively overweight in both uh, high school and college, couldn't get a girlfriend to save his life, and was just so down in the dumps to where he was just in the throes of depression. Then he attended seminars similar to Aspire, completely turned his life around, and now he's working for the big dogs. Yeah. <laughs> It's just, it's very MLM-y. Like, it's just already very, like, I can put myself there in the seats, the purple balloons and the techno music and the light show and listen to a sob story from rags to riches and being like, I can do that too. Like, I'm right there with you. Right. It talks about how we're going to be motivated. We're going to be walking out here motivated as long as we apply the principles that are taught in this seminar. Okay. So... I got, I got a notepad right here. I, I just, I didn't take notes to kind of look at my business. I pretty much took notes to kind of remember so that I could tell you what was going on there. The first person he introduces is co-founder Eddie Wilson, who partnered with Andrew to create the Aspire event, uh, you know, two years ago. And Eddie Wilson talks about starting this charity called Impact, where they go into third world countries 
and teach uh, you know, uh, people in those countries basic hygiene, as well as give them some like medical supplies and, and everything to kind of help build their lives back up. And so he just, he goes on to talk about how passionate he is about this. And then he exploits a young woman who's 18 years old, who was one of the volunteers on this trip. She was a barista before she came down there. And she was kind of helping run some little coffee shops in the third world countries and doing very well, got to know Eddie, the rest of the staff, and was just very passionate about what she was doing. And then she had the idea of saving young girls in Ecuador from human trafficking. And she talked to her parents about it. Her parents were like, no, not a good idea. You're going down to a third world country. Nobody knows you trying to save girls. Our concern is you could be one of them that's going to be trafficked. And her friends were also concerned about it. And like the more people were expressing their concerns to her, the more upset she got. And so she went to her boyfriend and wanted him to provide support to her. And of course, he, along with the family members and friends, also expressed concern. And so she dumped him. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So she goes to the one person she believes could help her. And that's Eddie, because Eddie organizes everything. Now, Eddie says he's in, in a bit of a conundrum here. Because he doesn't want to disrespect the wishes of the family, friends, and now, of course, ex-boyfriend. But at the same time, he wants to help her follow her dream. And so what he did was he talked about raising money to help her go and get down there and kind of put together a team of people to help save young women in Ecuador from human trafficking. And talks about how, you know, she's able to go down there and is doing a great job and is thriving today. I'm hearing this and immediately I start to get angry because I'm thinking, you son of a bitch. You're exploiting a young woman by telling a story thinking that we're all gonna be shocked and amazed and feel great. And what you're actually doing is putting her in danger by sending her back down there, even with the team, knowing full well she's gonna be in very dangerous situations in a foreign country where she has to be on alert everywhere, knowing that her parents are worrying about her. That really just got to me. Yeah. And then using it as an example of being like, and she was fine. It was told right. Everything was fine. Everything was great. There was nothing to worry about. Whereas right. that probably isn't going to be the case for every single person that may decide to do that. So even like using that as the example, again, it's like this anecdotal evidence that sort of dispels any sort of negativity. Like her story is a complete positive, just a total positive experience. It was just really great. Oh, yeah. And it dispels anything else aside from that. Right. And, and of course, everybody there, they're all applauding. They're cheering. They're like, you go, girl. And I'm looking at my buddy Josh here, and I'm saying, did they not just listen to a single word he said? It was just maddening. I, I was so angry. I was like, I almost felt like getting up and walking out. But I paid $499. I might as well stay for the entire thing. Right. And you have a luncheon to get to as well. I got a luncheon to get to. Right. So he goes for that entire speech, and then... The MC brings up uh, Nick Santanasasso, the guy with uh, no legs, one arm, bodybuilder, athlete, to give a speech and talks about his life growing up and how it was difficult for him to do things that everybody else takes for granted due to his physical limitations. 
he talks about how he attended a Tony Robbins speech one day and he's like, well, I want to do that. And then he talks about networking with the right people who, in my humble opinion, just exploited his condition being what it is to help make the money. Which is another very, very common MLM thing as well. Yeah. So in this particular segment, there's a lot of toxic positivity being thrown at us. There's a lot of chanting. And what I mean by chanting is he'll say something that is designed to put out a bunch of dopamine hits. And then he'll say, everybody say yes, yes. Everybody say, I can do it. I can do it. And I looked at my friend and I said, this is, this is a cult type chant going on. Josh looks at me and says, yeah, this is almost like a church service here. And I said, well, this is a church service. This is the most expensive church service we've gone to. It's the trifecta. It's the MLM, like church motivational speech. Yeah. And so his entire thing is to pump people up to get them to believe in themselves, to know that they can accomplish anything they set out their mind to, and to just reach for the stars, and then <sighs> chant a bunch Man. of mantras. Sounds horrible. Yeah. And I'm thinking, oh, dude, I had respect for you up until the point you started doing that. Okay. It almost feels like very formulaic, and the exploitation of people for their stories to exploit other people <laughs> I mean, it's so common. We see it, like you even said, like church. We see that a lot in church. We see it a lot in MLMs. We're seeing it now in like this coaching industry. It's really gross. And I, and I don't know if like people see it. I've mentioned it before. It's kind of like the tokenism. Mm -hmm. Like, look, I've got this thing that makes me special. So let's exploit it for money. And, and I've said multiple things before. That's always something that bothered me when I was in multi-level marketing and even when I've gone to these like sort of motivational things and you hear these speakers, like the exploitation has re is always been sort of in the back of my mind as the ick, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. How many of the people that you listened to that day had the ick? You know, if they were showing the ick, I didn't see it. A lot of people were just drinking the Kool-Aid and I'm kind of looking over at Josh here to kind of nudge him out in case he's being one of them. He's pretty much as cool as a cucumber at this point. He's not taken in any of the cult uh, mindset, which good for him for doing that. Because he, he says he's not, he says, I'm not really into this whole prep rally thing. And I said, okay, then I think we're going to have a good time and we're going to get along very well. Yeah. So was the majority of the speeches and the speakers like very rah, rah and just the same over and over again? Yeah, kind of. One speaker in particular, I just think was a complete waste of time. Well, two of them, actually. One of them was uh, Mary Fitzgerald from the reality uh, show Selling Sunset. She goes up there and she just talks about how she's working for the Oppenheim real estate company that sells luxury houses on this show and how people are calling the office not, not because they want to do business and buy houses, but because they, they want to talk about the show. And it's, it's a complete waste of time. And so there's like, thank you very much, but please understand we still have to work. There's a business here, even though it's being filmed on TV, we still have a business to run. And then she talks about uh, how her name's put up on billboards and benches, but her phone number isn't listed because of the creepers. You know, and I'm just thinking about this entire time, Josh, why are we listening to this? What is the entire point of this particular conversation here that she's having with Andrew? 
because I'm not learning a thing from this. Maybe it's to appeal to more of the, the female audience who watches Selling Sunset, but people like me? No, I'm just going in one ear and out the other. I imagine they would have to have a bunch of different kinds of speakers that reach different audiences to cast as wide a net for ticket sales as possible. So absolutely having somebody on there that has a show that has more of a female demographic to bring that group in. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then her talking about how difficult it is to live and have a private business and life while being on television. Yeah, I understand. That is definitely something that maybe someone who's super excited about sports and stuff might not be into, or maybe, I don't know. I don't know what people are into. But you were not into it. And that's all right. But again, I think it is something that just sort of proves that these are to appeal to the masses and to throw a couple big names on there. Like when you told me the names of the people, I don't think I recognized even one name. Oh, God. Maybe Terrell Davis was the only one. I was like, oh, he's played sports, right? Like that was it for me. (laughs) And maybe Magic Johnson. Oh, yes. You did say Magic Johnson, too. I definitely recognize that name. I definitely know (laughs) who Magic Johnson is. Right. Don't come for me. I know who he is. (laughs) Right. And so I'm just going through Mary's speech and then Mary just pretty much, you know, goes off stage waves. And then Andrew, the co-founder, comes back on. And his speech really frustrated me because it was two hours long. Okay. He talked about uh, hitting roadblocks to making more than $3 million during the first hour and just couldn't understand why. Went to a bunch of seminars and crap. And just still couldn't figure out why he was still hitting this roadblock. And he talked about this particular subject over and over and over again during the first hour. And I'm listening to this saying, where are you going with this, dude? Because I get it. You're expressing frustration, but you're being so redundant that I do not understand what it is you're saying. Okay. It's interesting, though, that he's talking about all the wasted time on seminars at the seminar that he sells to people. Right. And so I'm getting frustrated the first hour to the point where my attention spans is gone. And it wasn't until his second hour that he finally gets to his point and talks about two different kinds of people in this world, contributors, which would mean us, and creators, which are the entrepreneurs, and how money flows in one direction, contributor to creator. That's it. And I'm thinking this all could have been said during that first hour. Wow. Okay. Just a two-hour speech. I mean, not even most movies are two hours. No. How do you come up with so much material? I guess, you know, being redundant helps. But coming up with so much material, if he would have just edited a little bit, I bet it would have been like an hour long. And then you guys could have had a longer lunch or like other things could have actually happened. So let's talk about the expectation versus the reality of the VIP package and like what you were promised, which was a luncheon with meet and greet and photo opportunity with who? That would be Marcus Lemonis, the reality star on CNBC's The Prophet. Okay, okay, so that was he was the only one there for that sort of stuff. He was the only one doing the Q and A, and so we go, we exit the ballroom. We have no idea where the Q and A is because one, the MC didn't say it before he dismissed us, and another is the moment we exit that ballroom, there's no event staff there to help us find out exactly where it is, and so right away I'm starting to feel annoyed, and I look at Josh and I say. Where's the event staff? We're supposed to go to the luncheon. Where is it? And it wasn't until we found a hotel staff member near an escalator that we got to ask. We say, hey, uh, do you know where the luncheon is? 
She pointed us in the right direction. That was very good on the uh, hotel employee, but that should have been an event staff member's job and they dropped the ball. That's one part of the expectation that was not fulfilled. Poor communication. Oh yeah, definitely. So we get into this luncheon and we're seated with some supposedly very important people, entrepreneurs, and Marcus is walking around the tables with a, a microphone in his hand. And he's pretty much setting the tone for how the Q&A is supposed to go. He says, there's no stupid questions, you know, but just make it brief. Don't tell an entire travelogue because there's not a lot of time. Uh, just ask me your question. I'll answer it. And then we'll kind of help. I'll move around to the different tables and I'll call on a person that interests me. Okay, fair enough. Well, this young woman stood up and asked a very lighthearted question. What's your favorite car to drive? Marcus turns that around and said, before I answer your question, let me ask, what's your name? She tells her name. What kind of business are you in? Well, my husband and I own storage units. Okay, what are your gross margins? Uh, what's your profit? What's your profit and loss? How many employees do you have? All of that. And she's kind of taken aback by this because she wasn't expected to be asked these kind of questions. She was thinking, wait a minute, I thought this, this is going to be a Q&A. You're putting me on the spot? Right. And, and so he didn't really answer people's questions. What he did was he took advantage of an opportunity to put them on the spot and ask some very pointed, direct questions. There were a few people that were flustered, there were, but others kind of caught on and answered a little more confidently. But I'm looking at Josh here and I said, well, it's a good thing you and I didn't answer a question because we would have risked embarrassment. Holy shit. Well, yeah, that's what I was just thinking. Like, you pay all this extra money to go to this Q&A. Maybe you're a fan of this guy and you're like, oh, I'm a big fan. I just want to ask him some questions. And you go into it completely unprepared, ask a very simple question and then get bombarded and get the third degree in return. It's not mm -hmm. a Q&A if he's asking, like, that's not what a Q&A is. No, he should have been the A's and you're the Q's, not the opposite. That's so, right. and it feels very like compartmentalizing to put people on the spot. And then at the same time, all of the people that were like, oh, I wanted to ask a question that are maybe uncomfortable, like you were saying, are like, well, I'm glad I didn't raise my hand. And that's not something that you want to feel when you're paying 450 extra dollars to be able to participate in this. It seems kind of, I don't know, like weird, like, like right. squid gamesy. I don't know. It's weird. Right. The way he was talking to us was very direct, but it also came across as condescending. Yeah. It feels like an episode of Black Mirror or something. Exactly. Okay. And keep going. Keep going. He's doing that with each and every one of these people. I'm just thinking, man, this guy just doesn't like any of us. So I'm just sitting there and I'm looking at the people around me and they're kind of wincing and they're watching some people get embarrassed because the entire thing is and it's almost like being interrogated by the FBI. Okay. That's exactly what it looked like. It's just so strange. Yeah. Why would you want to make your fans feel so uncomfortable? Mm -hmm. Except for the ones that were like, Ooh, I know all the answers to those questions. I want to be interrogated by this guy. And he didn't call on those people. Okay. That's even more weird then. Yeah. So what's going on here is that we're, where, you know, everybody's just kind of looking around thinking, oh my God, what the hell did I get myself into? <laughs> and, you know, people be embarrassed and all. And then finally it got time to the photo session. Okay. Now this is where I feel duped because in the ad, it said 
photo shoots with celebrity guests. Well, that interpretation, in my opinion, meant every single one that was speaking there. Well, at least more than one person. Right. So what we got here was we were pretty much instructed to do this particular method. So the MC of that particular Q&A session said, due to being on a time constraint, here's how it's going to run. You're all going to stand up in a line from the stage up until the, the back of the door. And we're going to have an event staff member on the stage right side. We're going to have another event staff member on the stage left side. What you do when you get to the stage is you have your phone prepped for photos. You hand the person on the stage right side your phone. You walk up to where the celebrity guest is. You get a photo taken, and then you walk down to the person on the stage left side, pick up your phone, and let the person uh, behind you do the same. You do not speak to the person that you're getting a picture taken with. There is no time for that. And if any of you try to do this, what you're doing is you're holding other people up in the back of the line. Wow. So we're being rammed through like cattle. I think we could have cut that speech down to like an hour and found the time to have a proper meet and greet for the people who paid $450 more than everyone else. Right. I was thinking the exact same thing. That doesn't feel like a meet and greet at all. No. I, I, I've never done like a photo op like that. I don't know if that's how they're normally done. But even like when I've been to Comic Con to like meet people or have things signed and you stand in line, it's never been like that. You would get a little bit of time, right. maybe yeah. not as much as like a Disney princess, but you no. get at least more than like go down there, take a picture, pick up your phone. Like it just seems very robotic and very impersonal for $450. It was. And that's that's also what disappointed me. And there were only two celebrity guests that you had pictures taken with. And that's Marcus Limonis and Nick Santanasasso. So what you do is you go up, you went to get your picture taken with Marcus, and then you go to one line and they get your picture taken with Nick, who's propped up on a director's chair. Okay. And it's pretty much just from the head down to the torso. That's it. So he's propped up on this director's chair. And I was a little nervous getting my photo taken with him because I can't put my arm around his shoulder without risking him falling off. And I was kind of concerned about that. So I pretty much just kind of stood like this with my arms at my sides, got my photo taken, and then walked off. I didn't even get to say hi to him. I, and so it was just so impersonal. And I was disappointed. And I kind of was starting to feel like I'd been robbed. It just seems like... You bought like a $100 ticket. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or at least you got a $100 ticket experience for $500. It's exactly what it is. Yeah. So I know that you posted about this on your social media and like oh, they yes, responded to you. Oh, they trolled me. They trolled me. I'll tell you what, I'm going to, I'm going to read to your listeners exactly what the, the troll said, because he just had me laughing. I, I was so tickled by what they said. And I pretty much just like laid into him at this point. And um, yeah, so I wrote an entire scathing review and Aspire said, we apologize the experience didn't meet your expectations, but we appreciate you coming to the tour and continuing to post these photos with a smile on your face. <laughs> That's pretty savage. They're like, sorry you hated it, but it looks like you had a good time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I just, it's hilarious that they're like, I'm sorry, it didn't meet your expectations. Well, guess what, Aspire? My expectations were set by your flyer that mm-hmm. you wrote. Yeah, that you pretty much put on blast on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, that it just flooded all of our pages and it was just Aspire, 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 Aspire. I don't, I just, I feel like the people that are promoting these things or setting these up are like, maybe they're only in it for the money. Oh, they are. <laughs> so many they times are. when I hear horror stories like this, I'm just like, there wasn't anybody that was like, hey, this isn't going to work. Like, hey, right. we can't do it that way. I mean, it feels very fire fest. Like, it feels very like, fuck Jerry being like, it'll be fine. It'll work itself out. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. By the I mean, way, Firefest 2 is coming. Did you hear? What? Yeah, it's coming. Oh, dear Lord. I, I got to tell you, the second half of the event is almost just as bad. So the second half starts with Marcus and rather than him going up on stage, talking to us, he's actually in the audience, but it's dark in the entire ballroom, but there's a spotlight on him. Ooh. Yeah. And so he also talks about his being born in Syria, then being adopted by American parents who taught him the value of money and, and everything and how he got his first sales job and all. Then he goes on this entire rant, and he does say some truthful things, but it was kind of to fit his purpose. So he talked about how it's difficult for women to become uh, entrepreneurs, especially women of color. And even though things have progressed, it's still the way it is. And it's frustrating. If you don't like it, then do something to change it. I mean, hello, that's uh... thinking, okay, Marcus, tell us something we don't know. We, We all know this and we are doing stuff to change it but probably not to your satisfaction. Well, what's he doing to change it? (laughs) I'm asking that same question. And I'm also asking it to Josh too. And then he does these Tony Robbins style intervention sessions where he picks people from the audience and says, hey, you know, like, hey, what's your name? And they'll just say, hey, so uh, I'm so-and-so. And he asks some very deep personal questions that kind of get people to start crying. Oh, and God. some of the stories they tell are very dark. Well, bit, yeah. I'm thinking, okay, there's manipulation going on here. Absolutely emotional manipulation, 100%. Let's get somebody in a very vulnerable state and then milk something traumatic out of them for tears yeah. and shock value. Mm-hmm. So he does these intervention sessions and then and then uh, pretty much, is again, it's condescending. He says, just remember all, when you're in business, you are investing in people and you need to treat them as such and not as dollar signs. Well, a lot of us do that already. But he's doing that right then. Right. By pulling people up and making examples of them in the shock value thing that he charges $500 a ticket for. Right. I mean, $50 to $500. But still, how is that not? Oh, okay, continue. 
he's doing these intervention sessions and then he has some women from the audience that go up on stage and put up these easels on on the stage and then he puts like these signs on and he just has them flip them around and, and it lists some positive and negative attributes and he pretty much says what's your definition of success and one of the attributes is stubborn and i blur and i actually heckle the word stubborn you know why i said that you know exactly why i said that and Marcus said, did I hear stubborn? I said, yes, sir, you did. And he walks toward me and he says, you just say stubborn? Yes, I did. No and wonder they trolled you on social media. <laughs> They're like, oh my God, it's the stubborn guy. Respond to that one. <laughs> right? Yeah. So Marcus looks at me and says, you've got self-awareness. I like that. It's kind of, it was kind of my top gun moment where... Maverick is pretty much blurting out some very arrogant answers to the head instructor. And the head instructor says, that's arrogant. I like that. It's just so weird. (laughs) Yeah, it is weird. It's just this very strange display of like toxic masculinity, like kind of like a peacock. It's just Mm -hmm. weird. It's an interesting performance. Anyway, continue. He lists off some different attributes, both positive and negative, and and then he goes and says, by the way, I want you to know that a lot of the seminars here, they they talk about you being rejected and how you just got to kid up, you know, get up off your knees and just keep moving forward. Well, I'm here to tell you that rejection hurts, and it hurts like hell. Uh, I mean, the sky is blue, not dark. (laughs) Like, of course, rejection hurts. I feel like every single person figures that out by, like, Probably like 17, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I just can't get over the fact that you're paying $500 for this. Right. Voluntarily. Right. Voluntarily. I'm, I'm there to be a shield for my friend. You're a very good friend, Russ. <laughs> Thank you. So everybody is just like clapping and everything. And then the lights go back up. Marcus you know, takes his bow and then leaves. And then Eddie Wilson is introduced back on stage again. And I don't remember the entire context of his speech because I just thought it was kind of more of what Andrews talked about earlier. But the thing I remember about it the most was he was just so smug when he uttered this line. I own 86 businesses. I'm looking at Josh and I'm saying, okay, and... He's not talking about whether they're profitable or whether they're failing. He just says that he owns them. Anybody can open up an LLC. Look at LuLaRoe. Right. It's it's like he talks about it. He he says, I own 86 businesses. And everybody's like, oh, wow. I'm like, so? But I mean, I feel like if we talk to somebody, and there's probably somebody listening being like, I joined 86 MLMs. Does that mean I own 86 (laughs) businesses too? Do you know what I mean? And it's a good point that you're saying, like, it doesn't mean they're successful businesses or even still open. And again, you can open up an LLC anywhere. You can make anything a business. So Mm -hmm. it's a ridiculous thing to to proclaim as like, I'm (laughs) I'm so successful. Listen to me. I have 86 businesses. Look at all my Bugattis. It's like, no. (laughs) And so his speech was just more braggadocio. And I'm just kind of tuning out at that point because he's just got nothing to say about it. So it's like after Eddie, then that's when they start getting to more of where the the main event is. They bring out Magic Johnson. Now, Magic Johnson is 
a freaking giant. Six foot nine, built like an ox. I would look like Peter Dinklage standing next to him. But I was, I was with Inches of Magic Johnson. And of course, Magic was very personable with the audience. And he, he also did some intervention sessions too. But he was more lighthearted about it. He wasn't like trying to emotionally manipulate people. He's just trying to, you know, be that like the good friend. And he was down in he was down in the audience the entire time. Not once did he go on that stage. So he was just talking about how his basketball career was ending, and he decided he needed to get in business for himself because his other fellow athletes were retiring and all went broke. And he didn't want to go down that road. So he talked about owning a radio station to owning multiple theater chains, then Starbucks, and then now he's owning part of the L.A. Dodgers. So it's like Magic is just talking about how he pretty much buys the businesses, turns around, make them, makes them very successful, listens to his customer base, gives them exactly what they want, not what he thinks they should have. And when he's ready, he sells them and, get, and makes more money. And so because of all this, he's not only in the millionaire status, he's in the billionaire category now. Right. But he's also Magic Johnson. He's not like some... Joe Schmo, nobody who's like, I buy businesses and turn them around because I put up a right. bunch of flyers around town. Like he's Magic Johnson. <laughs> like, you know what right. I mean? So, I mean, it's super, super inspirational, but at the same time, like there's only one Magic Johnson. So it's not like right. him being up there being like, and you can do it too. Cause everyone's like, no, we, ca we can't. No, maybe can't. Michael Jordan could try to do that, but I mean, you need so much clout and money and capital and wiggle room to be able to own all of those businesses and be really successful. And being Magic Johnson is very helpful for that. Right. And, you know, and when he picks people out, he's like, he's like, come here, come talk to the magic man. And I'm thinking, okay, the song from Heart is now playing in my head. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, was there anything about this seminar that you took away and you were like wow i actually did learn something no in fact i walked away feeling extremely pissed off like you've um, just been had it's mostly because of the lack of event staff that were there to help people they weren't there to guide us to where we needed to go for the lunch and they were just nowhere to be seen and then the meet and greet which wasn't a meet and greet for one the q a that became more of an interrogation session and then the photo shoot, which was more of a cattle call. I mean, they tried. Well, they failed miserably, I can tell you that. Again, and I feel like you got something that would have been max like $150. Oh, yeah. Just because Easily. they fed you. Was the meal at least good? Well, <laughs> you got to oh, understand no. when you eat rich people food, you're eating like a bird. Okay. <laughs> they had this very light salad which was consisted of mostly lettuce, onions, and radish with, with some like purple type uh, dressing. I don't know what it's called, but it's like very fancy. And then we had some grilled chicken with asparagus and mashed potatoes. And then for dessert, they had this very small sliver of what looked like this raspberry cheesecake. Okay, so it wasn't a $500 plate meal, but was it good? It was, it was all right. It was, it, it was, was all good. right. It was all right. I'm just looking at this and I'm thinking, how can people eat this and not, and not be satisfied? Because I'm, I'm telling you, this is what birds eat. 
I mean, were you satisfied with anything of the day? It seems like the whole day was just a big like lesson in not being satisfied. The only thing I was satisfied with was having my wingman next to me. And keeping him out of this. And keeping him out. Yeah, he was also very pissed off. He was pissed off for different reasons. He was disappointed that he was not able to network with people to help him get investors for his film. Right. So let's talk about that, right? Because the whole intention of him going was he was going to pay this VIP ticket because of the meet and greet with the celebrity guests, which included Magic Johnson. Like that was a whole thing. And being like, oh, I'm going to be able to at least have maybe 30 seconds to be like, oh, I'm a filmmaker, blah, blah, blah. It would be great to work with you. Whatever. Any kind of networking at the luncheon, any kind of networking at the meet and greet, at the photo op. And none of that happened. So he paid $500 to network. And yeah, let's talk about how he felt about that. Well, he was disappointed that nobody really seemed to care about him being in the film industry at all. There's like, oh, that's nice. Cool. Um, I work in this field. That's pretty much the gist of the conversations that we had with people at our table. And so they didn't ask him like, well, what film did you write? What is it about? What kind of setting are you seeing for this? Like nobody really asked any of those questions and he was disappointed. But also I had to take some responsibility for the fact that I kind of cock blocked him. But do you think if you weren't there that he would have gotten some amazing networking connection and not fallen prey to buying somebody's bullshit course? Uh, no. Okay, then. You know, as we wrap this up, the other question that I, I wanted to know is because this whole like coaching coaches to coach aspect, like do these speakers, do they have courses that you could buy that they were encouraging people to, hey, yes. if you liked what I had to say, you can go to my website kind of thing? It wasn't so much go to my website. It's I'm teaching a course this day, this time, and the course normally costs X amount. I'm reducing it to this price. If you want to take it, you need to sign up now. But keep in mind, if you wait, this ends the moment the next speaker goes on stage. So there's a lot of FOMO created. Oh, wow. Not even to like the end of the day. Like you have 15 minutes to get yeah. this price. Yes. So. Wow. That's a lot of high pressure. I was thinking yes. that it at least would have been like, you can go home and think about it. And as long as you buy it by the end of the night. Right. But it's like by the end of my speech. Wow. That's yeah. super gross. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, we just paid 500 bucks to attend this. And now you're expecting us to pay another thousand for each and every one of the courses you all advertise and give us a small window of opportunity to purchase that. I mean, that's not only is that upselling, but that's pretty savage, man. You're, you're creating a lot of FOMO in people, which gets them to make a decision emotionally. And they risk going over budget for doing that. I, you know, it's like everybody thinks, oh, well, they're, but they're business owners. They're very rich and successful. No, a lot of this stuff is they kind of put money away in savings just to go to the events like this. Okay. Yeah. Especially if, if $50 is the baseline of a ticket, that's a very affordable ticket for anybody in town. Who's like, I'm a businessman. I'd like to learn more businessman things to go to the seminar, promising all of these things with all of these speakers, even just for $50. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 
I don't think most of the people attending that are big business guys who have very successful businesses with all kinds of disposable income and expenses that they can just buy a thousand dollar course after every speaker they like. And it's also odd not to have it at the end of the day where you could buy multiple courses and bundle them together and get an additional discount. I mean, who planned this? I feel like it is. I mean, even from an MLM standpoint, like an MLM conference seems more put together and those are chaotic messes, you know, like all by themselves on their own. Right. It just seems very poorly planned. It was poorly planned. And a lot of it had to do with the fact that they were paying some very high profile celebrities to speak. And And then baiting and switching. You're thinking you're going to get a photo op with Magic Johnson and get to talk to him. And he's not even on the lineup. Wasn't even on the lineup. Neither was Terrell Davis. Neither was Mary Fitzgerald. It just, uh, it's very bait and switch. It's very scammy. It's not surprising at all. It's unfortunate that we're hearing about this, but it's also, I mean, I commend you for spending your time going there, spending the money, spending the energy to help us get an inside perspective about what these business courses look like, you know? Yeah. You know, I had to actually point out to Josh that anytime a speaker says by a show of hands, if you're seeing them raise their hand like this, that's a mind trick to kind of get other people do that too. Okay. Very manipulative. And I easily caught on to that because if that speaker didn't raise his hand when he says by a show of hands not a lot of people would have by him raising his hand like this he caused other people to do the same thing yeah it's very interesting well i thank you for reaching out and saying hey is this something you're interested in and going and doing all of this and then coming and talking to us because i'm i'm curious about this kind of stuff i remember Going to seminars before my time in MLM, like when I was doing hair, it wasn't as raw, raw-y, but it, it was similar. And then I remember, obviously, MLM seminars and things like that. There was a couple of times, especially when you were talking about the luncheon, that I was very triggered. You know, it's I almost kind of felt like, in a sense, I was Joe Pistone infiltrating the Bonanno crime family as Donnie Brasco because I was going right back into a world that I have spent years, possibly almost two decades, staying away from so that I could heal from the trauma. Well, I, I think you're probably pretty healed if you were able to jump head first <laughs> in, in right into the thick of it. The thing is, is like when I when I left multi-level marketing, I did it almost 20 years ago. Whereas a lot of people that leave MLMs that are guests on your show leave it within maybe five, six years. So I've done a lot of healing during this time. And I've also done a lot of research to where I am prepared for whatever manipulation is about to come across my way so much that I'm not affected by it. I love that. I'm going to say for anybody that is listening, that is thinking about going to one of these things, get yourself a friend like Russ and tag team it. I appreciate you coming and sharing your story. Oh, thank you. And if there are any listeners here, that have been through the same experience and or even similar, send Roberta an email, get on the show, because I want to hear your stories too. <laughs> yeah. Anything culty and weird. Anytime, anytime you feel like, mm, this is kind of MLM-y, I want to hear about it. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Life After MLM. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. 
and follow us on social media at Life After MLM Podcast and my advocacy at The Real Roberta Blevins. You can find all of the links to the social accounts in our show notes. And if you just listened to that incredible story and you thought, oh my God, I have a story just like that that needs to be told, hit me up, therealrobertablevins at gmail.com. I would love to have you on the show to share your story and start your journey in life after MLM. See you next time, Hans.